they're pushing and speaking and organizing so that they could have freedom. And my, my fear is we don't care. Welcome to another episode of the Carpe Fide podcast, where if the shoe fits, you wear it. And if the truth hurts, you bear it. I am Justin Gruber. And I am Jesse Gruber. And today we hope you will seize seize the the faith. Man, uh, we're going to have some fun tonight because we're talking about something I really like talking about. Namely, history. Oh, I thought you were going to say communism. Duh. Well, I was going to say one of those few things that I think you can put right into the hate bucket uh, <laughs> is communism. The bucket of hate. Yes, that's where you put the things that it's okay to, you know, kind of hate those those things. Bad things happen in the bucket of hate. <laughs> yeah, like communism. <laughs> oh. Well, tonight we have a, a little, it's more of a little geeky episode, but I think it actually is perfectly appropriate um, because we're going to talk about the long telegram, which is probably something you've never heard of because... No one knows much of history. <laughs> That's just a reality. I mean, Jesse, you've only been recently acquainted with this document yourself. I have, but I have read it, and it is, for a telegram... Quite long. Quite long. Oh, man, like 8,000 words. It's a lot of words in that telegram. I thought it was like 5,000. I don't know. No, no. It was a lot. No, they had to break it up into 5,000-word yeah, sections. Sections. Yeah. There's like an 8,000-word telegram. It was bad. But it's cool. It's awesome. But it was good. Tonight is the long telegram and a Christian response to the Cuban crisis. Dun, dun, dun. Not the Cuban Missile Crisis that already happened. We'll address that later. This is the uh, current issues that are going on in Cuba. The protests, the protests for libertad, the the protests for freedom. Uh, that's what these protests are about. I want to connect to you something that I think, if if only we had, we would read it um, in school, perhaps we would have a different take on even our current cultural climate. The Bible. Uh, <laughs> Yes, that is correct. Wow. But since apparently that's just too far, we can't go the Bible. Uh, that would be um, this, this telegram called the Long Telegram. It was sent by um, one of the few men that could have possibly put it together. His name was George Kennan. Uh, he would later, he was currently serving there uh, in the embassy in uh, Moscow in Russia. And you would say, when is that, that we're even, we're even talking about? What do you mean? Right after the uh, end of World War II, uh, there was uh, a lot of jockeying for position on the global stage. Uh, and this is where Berlin itself, the city, was divided into east and west. But uh, pretty much there was, a, there was a, a line almost the entire country of Germany and, and, and far, far sweeping beyond that um, between eastern Germany and western Germany, between the eastern, the, the eastern world and the western world. Um, at this time, and and this is this this line was basically divided between uh, countries that shared a more free market economy. Um, they they lived under principles that were economically free market, or what the communist Marx himself said was uh, capitalism. That's a that's actually a, a Marxist term himself. So. I, I like to call it free market. So you, you take your pick, pick your poison. Um, and <clears throat> what you find out is that even as, as Berlin itself was divided into east and west, um, it landed on the western side of Germany itself. So it was stuck in the west, a city divided in a, a globe that was, was fast becoming divided um, between Marxism and its particular form of communist Marxism uh, and the, the free market capitalism. This this divide was so deep 
but it was also it was also something hard for either side to understand each other. So <clears throat> on the free market side, you had you had many allies there, but chief among it was was the United States, and they could not pot, they 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 kept bumping heads and not being able to understand what was going on on the Western side, which was which was ruled under the iron fist of the Russian communist regime, the communist Marxist Russians. And and this this caused such a division because neither side um, would would be able to understand the other. And that un, that that lack of understanding leads us to the long telegram. Basically, between the Treasury Department and the State Department in the United States, there was so much confusion they couldn't understand why Russia was not uh, working inside of what was called the Marshall Plan to help rebuild the world. Right. There was just this giant world war and devastation reigned. Um, and so as they were trying to establish the International Monetary Fund and the World Bank, Russia was like, nah, we're good. Nope, we're not we're not we're not doing that. And and the United States just couldn't understand why they asked for the help if there was anyone that that understood this. And as they were sending these diplomatic telegrams, uh, it came across the desk uh, of the one man who who had done so much studying um, in in Russia and in the Russian culture, perfectly positioned in the Moscow embassy in Russia itself, uh, who was able to respond, and that was George Kennan. And he responded with the loan telegram on February 22nd, 1946. So this is, this is history, but it's not like forever ago history. But considering like most people don't even know, you know, when Bill Clinton was president, this is probably like far ancient history to most of us. <laughs> 1946. Oh my gosh. Did they have electricity back then? I can't believe this. Yes, they had to send a telegram <laughs> across the world. Uh, and in this long, very wordy telegram, basically George Kennan lays out uh, things that if we would just simply read the telegram, we would see and hopefully be able to address in our culture today. Like happening today. Like Cur- already happening. Currently. Um, underway. And, and this little point of history connects beautifully uh, for the reality that people are so ignorant. They don't understand uh, what just this short history of, of Cuba. What, what, what happened in Cuba? Why are some people staunchly defending someone like Fidel Castro? Why are some people trying to manipulate and downplay what is going on in Cuba? And I think for me, who's kind of like a, a history geek, I, I just love I love stuff like this. I love history. It's already happened. We can look at it. And yes, we can we can parse it. We can dissect it. The joy and fun of history is like, well, what if this had happened? What if they had done this? Why did they do this? That was a mistake. They should have done this. We can we can play, you know, armchair history quarterback. And it's it's kind of fun to do. Uh, but the reality of history itself is it has already played out. And we'll talk about tonight why these things are so important for Christians, why we need to understand something like the long telegram, why we need to know our history, why we need to pay attention to what's going on in Cuba and where it comes from, uh, and, and why our culture seems to be just so weak in the face of things that it should be so strong on. Particularly, uh, I think that the church itself should be incredibly strong on. So having said that, I laid out a, a brief history of the beginning of the Cold War from World War II. Um, <laughs> brief. That was incredibly brief. It was a long Cold War. It was a long Cold War. Uh, it was. A, it was well. We're well over fifty years here of that Cold War before uh, before that wall came down between East and West Berlin itself. Before things started heating up. Mm, well, well, some there's actually a. Well, well, you know, we're not going to. It's don't awkward. Keep, we can't keep 
it's an awkward thing to kind of try to keep going. Just it, don't overly geek me out into history the because then we're going to start talking about the the new longest the the new long long telegram, which is actually a document someone wrote speaking about China. The terribly long facts. <laughs> <laughs> and this was this one speaking about China. What what does it look like inside of? of this communist China that tries to roll up a free market yet state-controlled type of, type of a situation and how they try to operate. It is way too late for me to be thinking about okay, that Okay, well, type see, this is what I'm saying. Don't don't keep me on this. But, uh, but I'm super excited. <laughs> I just excited. tried to make a pun One about of the, things the warmness <laughs> that came after the Cold War. Warm, hot, warm. And you start talking about China. China. So so what we wanted to do is I, there's, a, there's, just, there's so many great parts to the Long Telegram, but obviously you're already thinking, what are these guys talking about? And do I really want to listen to this? So what we're not going to do is read all of the tell long telegram. Oh, oh! I do like reading long <laughs> chunks of things. But the boy, do you? <laughs> we what we have uh, is just a few sections. The long telegram was laid out very nicely by George Kennan. He broke it up into uh, five parts. The part the part each five of the five parts had subsections. Uh, it was since it was a telegram, it was literally you know dots and dashes sent you know via the rudimentary communication system but laid out with such a beautiful uh, outline format that it's easy to follow long uh, in, the, in the long telegram so there'll be a link to the long telegram I'm just like to I like to prophesy things over Jesse he's going to put a link <laughs> in the show notes to the long telegram which we are thankful for and you can click it and read it for yourself there this is this is this will do justice to the depth of thought uh, as George Kennan's trying to explain right to the 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 bureaucracies in in the the federal government of the United States why the the Russian regime the the communist marxists do not want to interact the way that the US thinks they should interact uh he tries to explain it so that they can understand it so just a couple of quotes uh from this in the in the fourth part of the long telegram uh, it's talking about uh, how Russia uh, will will project itself using unofficial channels, and they, he refers to this um, sort of as that that subterranean game. So these aren't these aren't the official methods in which they will try to push communist Marxism. These are the unofficial ways, the back channel ways, the backdoor ways that they'll begin to push it. And one of the things he makes evident, I'm going to just keep talking until you decide you have something to say. You're you're doing great so All far. All right, I've got a lot to say later. <clears throat> Good, okay. I'll let you lay down right. history. So one of the really cool things it lays out in the in the long telegram is this basic concept that what what the Russians do not see is a source of objective truth. Uh, they they are they are not focused on so much what is true. They have a much more simple dynamic, and that is a power dynamic. How can they establish power? Um, and there's a much more visceral violence inherent in the the marxist mentality and the communist marxist mentality Uh, so here's what he says uh under section four one of the paragraphs uh he says this to undermine general political and strategic potential of major western powers efforts will be made in such countries to disrupt national self-confidence to hamstring measures of national defense and to increase social and industrial unrest to stimulate all forms of disunity, all persons with grievances, whether economic or racial, will be urged to spell redress, not in mediation and compromise, but in defiant, violent struggle 
for destruction of other elements of society. Here, poor will be set against rich, black against white, young against old, newcomers against established residents, etc. Now, if this isn't as clear a picture of what Marxism is trying to do in our country, I can't tell you what, and I just want to remind you, this <laughs> this was set in 1946. So this is... This is so far. If we just had this concept, oh my word. we could point. We could stand back and point at that and say, "Nope, nope." We knew that was coming. We we reject this. This is not how we're going to do it. You're going to sit down and have a conversation with rational logic, like adults. One of the specific things he says in Telegram is that that is not what they are interested in doing. They do not want to have a rational, objective discussion. So it's no wonder that we see. Uh, we see these exact divisions coming about, and the sole mean of resolving them is through violent struggle. Right. Well, not I mean, it's, through. Like we looked, I mean, we can reference back to episode 25 a lot. Take the language, take the world, where we, we follow, uh, oh man, Jeffrey Johnson's book. Oh man. What every Christian should know about social justice, where, You're doing he, great, where he chronicles, buddy. man, my brain is just like stuttering at every single turn where he outlines in that book from from Karl Marx um through um Gramsci and the Frankfurt Institute or the Frankfurt School rather um up into critical theory and all of its subsidiaries into the social justice movements of today and i mean they saw i mean George Kennan saw in the 40s what marxism's goal was and that was to violently rip society apart essentially and 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 then force themselves force themselves into the power vacuum that they would then create and then seize the power. Yeah. That was really the essence of of what they yeah what he saw and what they right. were trying to do. You know what's super interesting? Oh, interesting. We'll go back to World War One. Uh, so the the Russian Revolution in in World War One, where you have Russia fighting with the Allies against uh, the the Axis forces in World War One. We had you were simultaneously having this issue in World War One, where the army was becoming undone because the Russian Revolution was kind of beginning to take seed, even as World War One was going on, and so you had this overthrow of power. The the the, the czars were weakening in their power structure. The army was losing confidence. Which way do they go? Are they with the people? Are they with? the the leaders it was it was this confusing time so what literally gets weaponized is the idea right and so they send this is this is crazy right the the brits uh the french they wouldn't let lenin travel to russia they wouldn't let him they wouldn't let him travel anywhere because they knew his ideas his 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 marxist ideas were so vitriolic right but he gets word about this breakdown in the czars and the rough the the revolution taking place in Russia, right? Where literally it's the idea, right, of of the Bolsheviks rising up, right? The common man trying to take over those that were, um, you have the the bourgeoisie and the proletariat. So you have the people versus those in power, and this people are trying to rise up. Well, well, there there's a lack of somewhat unity and there's some discohe there's not cohesion so it's not going well but it's there and the the czar is weakening and they're trying to you know have him cede his power to maybe a more popular member of the regime that would look be a better figurehead and and Lenin's stuck right in Zurich <clears throat> so what happens 
is the Germans weaponized an idea and they orchestrate safe passage in a sealed armored boxcar train to send Lenin into Stalingrad. They send him all the way into the capital of Russia so that he can disembark and promulgate the Russian revolution, overthrowing the czars, crippling the Russian forces so that they would be weaker as the World War World War One went on. That was the whole goal. That was the whole intent. Isn't yeah, that crazy? It is crazy. That is crazy. And that, that thing right there, that solidifying of that mo- movement, actually helps us lead to the idea of how communist Marxist takes over in Russia. Yeah. And people wonder why people wonder why Christian some Christians nowadays are taking such a strong stance against woke woke ideologies. It's like, well, that's because these ideologies literally have been weaponized for you know, scores of years, you know, nigh on a century. And we're just seeing that happen now and saying, no, we should not let that happen. <laughs> right. The lies. A terrible idea. The lies. Yeah. The, and we're going to get to that oh, more later. The weapons lies can be. We've got just, a lot to talk about later. Oh, it's, it's rough. So, uh, moving on, moving on to the, uh, the fifth, the fifth point, uh, which was one of my, one of my favorites. He, he's, he kind of starts summarizing, the fifth um, section in the longest telegram. The, long telegram. the fifth section in the long telegram. Uh, he talks about practical deductions from standpoint of U.S. policy. Uh, and he, he closes with these, these two paragraphs here. He says, Much depends on health and vigor of our own society. World communism is like, malignant, is like a malignant parasite which feeds only on diseased tissue. This is the point at which domestic and foreign policies meets every, every courageous and incisive measure to solve internal problems of our own society, to improve self-confidence, discipline, morale, and community, spirit of our own people, is a diplomatic victory over Moscow, worth a thousand diplomatic notes and joint communiques. If we cannot abandon fatalism and indifference in face of deficiencies of our own society, Moscow will profit. Moscow cannot help profiting by them in its foreign policies. And he closes his communication with this. He says, finally... We must have courage and self-confidence to cling to our own methods and conceptions of human society. After all, the greatest danger that can befall us in coping with this problem of Soviet communism is that we shall allow ourselves to become like those with whom we are coping. Oh, man. Oh, God. If, if your stomach didn't turn as I read that, you should go and read it for yourself and then let your stomach turn as you look around the world, look around you to the world today and the country that you live in and say, well, gosh, dang it. Did we fail? <laughs> um, not yet. Let's keep pushing. Let's let, let's not look. Don't be a fatalist. He just told us not to be fatalist. <sighs> well, oh, man. I mean, and then we, I mean, yeah. <laughs> That's the, 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 it's a healthy dose of reality. Yeah. And it's just it's so clear. It's right there. And it was again, 1946 people, 1946 and this goes back to something i mean it's like if we if we had uh if we had the elementary students you know have to read up from slavery by booker t washington you know if we just if we stopped if we stopped and we just started that tomorrow he it would reframe racial issues in the country if if we stopped and and taught students the long telegram we could reframe the divisions that we have in our country and put them into a scale that would be better to understand. Now, why? Why is all this history important? And before we get there, 
before we get there, I want to bring this to bear directly onto what we're seeing in our culture today. Now, obviously, given this, given the content of this telegram and how va- and how clearly he saw these threats in 1946, we could go anywhere here, right? We could be speaking specifically about um, critical theory, as we talked about um, in episode 25, mm-hmm. right? We could we could do that again, but we already did that, so let's not do that again. Just right. go back and listen. It was a great episode. It was. We could, we could go. We could um. We could branch from here. Uh, we could start looking at at the the current racial climate in our country. We could branch from here and look at the all the talk about ideas of of wealth gap and wealth inequality. Any of these structures where you have you have the the idea of equitable outcomes and you have this discontentment, you have uh, created structures and hierarchies, right? Divisions, intersectionalities. We could talk about any of them from this particular point. But right now, what's happening? Childbirthing inequalities. <laughs> I don't even know why you're chuckling. That's a thing. <laughs> so, Is that why you're chuckling? Because <laughs> it's so sad that that's a thing. Like so everything's. Why is everything a thing? Because of the telegram. We just should have read it. It says everything will be used to cause division. All right. Anyway. Men can have babies. Specifically. Did you, did you see? We got to do an episode. possible. There's, there's an emoji now that they're trying to, that they're trying to get into. Yeah. This, like a bearded, a bearded a, person a bearded with a big belly. With a be- <laughs> I'm like, wait, that's me. <laughs> that's but, you. But that's not the point of the emoji. Is oh, it? oh, no. Because that would be called fat shaming. <laughs> we can't have that either. So well, now you see. He's a very happy. <laughs> we, could, we could go so many directions. Uh, but right now, what is happening is there is a people that live under the oppression of a communist dictatorship, <laughs> of a communist Marxist rule. And they have, right, since 1959. And they're pushing and speaking and organizing so that they could have freedom. And my my fear is... We don't care. So let me do you. Let me give you a brief, a brief overview of Cuba. All right, brief overview, and I'm only going to start from the the glorious revolution, right, of Fidel Castro in 1959. Most of you don't realize Fidel Castro is not ancient history, right? He 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 died only a few years ago. He he took power in 1959. BLM remembers. Boy did they. Boy did they. You know what? I screenshotted that mess. You know, I, 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 you know what? They're going to pull this down at some point. I'm not going to lose it. <sighs> They're going to pull it down. They're happy about it. They're proud of it. They're new. Anyway, we'll, we're getting off topic. Don't let me do it. Fidel Castro oh, sorry, sorry. takes power in 1959. Now, here's what, here's what you have to understand. <clears throat> Fidel Castro overthrew a dictator of Cuba, and the, the dictator fled. Now, when the dictator fled, nobody really cares. Nobody really remembers his name because nobody cares because we don't even know history. But we know Fidel Castro's name. So when the, when the, when the dictator fled, he had about $300,000 in assets. Okay? When, when Fidel Castro steps down, his, his net worth was $900,000. Oh, that's a good... That's one rich communist. Oh, wow. Man, for, for somebody who's supposed to be all about, you know, equality amongst the people, not so much. He was not really good at redistributing that. No, he it? really wasn't, but he was good at collecting. Mm. <laughs> Um, and here's what you have to understand. He did not grow. This is not Fidel Castro is not one of these people that you would think what well, well, he must have grown up in poverty. No, no. His his father was was a very well to do landowner. And and he he knew what that was. Both him and Raul Castro knew what it was like to live well. And and we, we do such a dis. you see 
Fidel Castro in green fatigues all the time so he could look like he was a common a common man leading his people but that what that green fatigue hid was a giant golden parachute as he continued to push his people into impoverishment while he kept for himself oof he lived on a beautiful estate and it was not even the only estate he owned beautiful he was an ardent atheist because he was a Marxist. Ardent. Yet he would continue to sit down and talk with Pope after Pope because it gave him uh, credibility as a as a evil dictator. It was is a is a bad dude. Now from the get go, there are people that knew he was a bad dude, <laughs> like Corn Pop. Just like <laughs> Corn, Corn Pop, Pop was a bad dude. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I had to break this up with something. Oh my gosh. <laughs> so let me let me acknowledge some of the so what you're hearing right now, right, about Cuba is America has always meddled. We have ruined it. We did this to Cuba. Well, it was the embargoes that we did. Right. BLM has specifically said we've done this to Cuba. There are prominent politicians saying what has happened to Cuba is our fault. Like like the United States should own what they did to Cuba. Let me let me let me do some explaining to you. Let, let me help you understand. Okay, the trade embargoes that are in that have been in force with Cuba have existed since the Cold War because they were a communist dictatorship. Communist Marxism was the rule of the day, governed by the iron fist of Fidel Castro. That's who they were. Now. When, when you have a dictator overthrown by a person and you make that person your leader, you're usually pretty happy because he got rid of the dictator, right? So let me acknowledge what was a giant blunder, all right, by the U.S., mostly because uh, it was it was carried out. Its execution was, was uh, rife with many, many sadness. It was very, very <laughs> badly done. That, that would be the Bay of Pigs. It's probably something you've heard about, but you've never learned about. And not, I do not have the time to teach, teach you about all of the failings of it today. Suffice to say, I don't know that I'm very interested in the United States playing Kingmaker, where we go in and we destroy the the, the evil regime and install a government. I don't like that. I, 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 think, I think what should appropriately happen is if we have a problem, if we have an enemy, that's when you, that's when you send in the armed forces and you oh, win. I thought you were going to say talk to them. No, I don't know. Uh, that's what I tell I'm, my kids. I'm, if you I, have a problem with your brother. I, no, yes, no. Of course you talk to them. <laughs> Obviously, I'm, I'm talking about when it breaks down beyond that, right? As George Kennan would yeah, say. Yeah, definitely. I, I then, I then say, encourage them to take up arms. Yes, that's right. The George Kennan, George Kennan would say, <laughs> communist Marxists, they did not, they saw it as a zero-sum game. It was a zero-sum game. There was no way. It was either you destroy your enemy or and win, or you, you they destroy you and you lose. They, there was no alternative for them. They didn't see a middle ground. Right. And ironically, they had just end up destroying themselves. Right. Now, li- now later, he did say that there would have been, there's, there, there would come a time when they would be able to communicate with Russia, that, that mm-hmm. as the breakdown occurred inside of this, the just the horrible circular logic that was inside inherent in Marxism itself with all these divisions eating one another, there would be a time. But that's neither here nor there. I'm not going to diagnose that too much. When the Bay of Pigs happened, it was basically the United States government trying to uh, help uh, Cuban dissidents overthrow Fidel Castro uh, and and set up a new government. That was the whole go goal. They were literally uh, helped. The, the The U.S. trained them. They gave them supplies. Uh, and then everything just fell apart. It was just awful. Ships were sinking. The, the 
it was it was bad. It was every every aspect of it was bad. Now, again, I'm not super big on the whole like uh, overthrow and we install this government that we have here. The pe- people should decide. But the problem was they did that in 1961. It was only two years after the Fidel Castro had overthrown the dictator. It wouldn't have worked anyway. They were trying to start some sort of revol- re-revolution after a revolution had literally just taken place. These people went from one dictator to a person who they thought was going to lead them well into freedom. No, he was just going to be another dictator. But they didn't know that yet. And so even the people were helping the the Cuban armed military kick out these these Cuban dissidents. It wasn't it it was it was just a doomed horrible thing. But then let me remind you of a year later and that would be the Cuban missile crisis. These are our, these are our two big interactions with Cuba that you'll know about in your history book. And the Cuban Missile Crisis was the reality, right, that Russia literally was working, as they were both communist governments, communist regimes, with, they struck a deal with Fidel Castro. Now, here's what, here's what the problem was. The U.S. had missiles uh, in Turkey and Iran, I believe. So they had, they had missiles that they could literally shoot at Russia close and Russia had nothing that could reach the United States. Now, they were close to developing that technology. The reality was the United States had already had already had better missiles that they could reach Russia with. And everything that was in Turkey was obsolete anyway. They, they actually, they, they wouldn't have used them. They would have been a backup plan. They had better weapons that they'd already developed that could reach Russia. But Russia thought if they could get missiles on Cuba, nuclear missiles on Cuba... 90 miles off the coast of Florida, they would have a more authoritative position with which to, to interact on the world stage. And so they, they actively sought, through striking this deal with Fidel Castro, to build missile bases on Cuba. Now, that's, that's a big deal. I mean, it seemed like a real peaceful country to me. I don't really know why people have a problem with them. Cuba? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I don't know what the big deal is. <laughs> They're making really great decisions. <laughs> it's literally one of the, the Cuban Missile Crisis was, was one of those times. And there was there was several, but it's one of those really close times where you come close to nuclear war. Yeah. Right? Super close. I don't remember much about the story, but I remember it being very harrowing. Yes. Harrowing is exactly what it was. Uh, basically, we, the U.S. set up a... What am I looking for the word where you said a blockade? That's what I was talking about. There you go. A blockade. Like where, in Star Wars. Where no Russian ships would be able to come without being just like in Star Wars <laughs> would be able to come to the, the coast of Federation. Cuba unless they were inspected. Now, any any and all uh, merchant ships carrying food, essentials, anything like that was, was totally allowed to go. They weren't trying to stop that. It was only the intent to set up <laughs> the nuclear you know, weapons, you know, nu- <laughs> nuclear missiles. Where they were that they were looking Seems for. Seems reasonable. Uh, well, obviously this was no good because Russia was pretty pissed about this. So you have international waters, right? You have blocking blocking access to a sovereign Nick country. I mean, we had there, there's obviously it, it was tense. And it's Let's a, just say it was real freaking up. tense. And then basically they they struck an, an agreement. The U.S. is like, oh yeah, hey, we'll get rid of all those missiles that we would never use anyway because they're obsolete. All from Turkey and Iran. <laughs> if you don't set up a base here. In in Cuba. And it was like, oh, okay, fine. And they, they agreed to do that. So it was, yeah, that was harrowing. Uh, I, I, all well, I we're say, all still here. So. We're all still here, yeah. So nobody pushed the red button <laughs> and everything's fine. I, I say all that to say this. Um, 
when you don't know history, you don't understand what's going on. Uh, so then we look at all these people shouting like, yeah, but, uh, oh, oh my gosh, was it Nicole Hannah-Jones? I really think it was. Uh, that just had an interview recently where she said the I think most, earlier you mentioned Nicole Hannah-Jones. The most equitable, the most equitable nation, diverse nation uh, in our hemisphere was Cuba. And I just kept thinking, yeah, there it, it's definitely the most equitable nation in this hemisphere. If by equitable you mean no one has anything. <laughs> yeah, it's all equitable as is everyone has the equal opportunity to starve. Ugh. It's perfectly equitable except for, you know, the Castros. They're doing just fine. It's like it was so dis- – so they're like, oh, but they are all literate. Well, of course they're literate because they had to make them literate so they could shove the communist the dogma right down their throats. Oh, and they have these great hospitals. Yes, that have no medicine or toilet paper or towel. Like you have to bring your own stuff to the hospital. And then the doctor will tell you how to use it. Like, I don't know what, what are we talking? Google, man. Like, what do I need you for? <laughs> I'm just, I mean, it's like so. It's so disingenuous because we we have we've been trapped into this idea that history these these things that happen in history are these these points where we can just put this point in a vacuum and we lose all historical context. Like no, nothing is a simple point in history. It is there are so many things that happened before and so many things that have happened after. And the reality is the people in Cuba are tired of living living in squalor while the people that rule and reign over them take and take. They're they're tired of it. They want freedom. So that's where we're at there. Yeah. I mean, you know, I, I was always hesitant to try to learn about history growing up because I always looked at it as something that could never really be actually known or understood. Like everybody seemed to have their own opinion as to what happened and like, how do I actually know like what actually happened? And the more that the, the older I get, I just think like, that's exactly, that's exactly what people who want to destroy freedom want me to think. They want me to think that they can't know, or they want me to think that, that them challenging them, that them bringing this revisionist history you know, the the thing that the things they don't teach you in history class, you know, like this, this secret knowledge, this, this progressive Gnosticism, um, you know, they want me to think that what I know isn't real. And it's like, no, all of this stuff is well documented. We, we can find all this stuff. It's not really hard. And the, re- the only reason that you really wouldn't know it is if you just either either are truly ignorant of it or just, you know, don't have the basic skills to actually you know, research something and compare sources, you know, and so, so we can have confidence that we know, uh, different historical facts. And I mean, all of these facts that you stated, Justin, or all of these timelines are well, well documented and, and not really disputed, um, for people who are actually intellectually capable of handling such things, such as timelines and dates, um, uh, unlike Nicole Hannah-Jones. Oh, oh, don't, oh no. <clears throat> so, you know, so what we've what we've just went through was a thirty minute history lesson. We've just seen that communist Marxist po- communist Marxist policies cripple and destroy countries all around the globe. Um, these ideologies are godless ideologies that lead to self imposed destruction. We talked about that. Um, we've been watching this happen in Cuba for some years, and what we see now on the news is the culmination of that, this cry out for liberty. And unfortunately, we've also seen it start to take root here in the United States as well, 
uh, against the warnings of um, George Kennan um, in his long telegram. So, From 1946, people. 1946. Yeah. So um, we've got... It's 2021. We've man. got at least six points. We are going to... We are going to turn the page to the part where we um, talk about a Christian response to the Cuban crisis. Um, Why why does any of this matter? Why are we taking time on the podcast to talk about um, the history of Cuba and America's relationship with Cuba? Um, Why does this even matter? We've got six... Why why mention an arcane, uh, a telegram from from the beginning stages of the Cold War? Uh, there's reasons we have reasons there's reasons and 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 biblical reasons as well um the first and probably most obvious by now i think we've said it several times is that we as christians must not be ignorant of our history um and for me the the biggest thing one of the things that i absolutely love doing as i read through the old testament um is is write real big the word remember in the margins of my Bible. Um, every single time God reminds his people of either something that he has done or the covenant that he has made with them, and your pages will be filled with God's reminding his people. Even even so, we're studying Exodus now, right, uh, at church. And even as quickly as they make it through the Red Sea and God says, remember what I just did for you in Egypt as he's there in a pillar of fire. I mean, like, you know, we forget so much. It's like, oh, my gosh, I saw I saw Moses go up the mountain. He's probably never coming back. Hey, hey, let's make a giant golden idol. Let's worship an idol. No, no, no. It's it's even more <laughs> ridiculous than that. It's it's as they're crossing, God's like, remember, I'm the God. I am the God that brought you out of the land of Egypt. Like, don't forget, I'm that God. And then they go to the mountain, and then they make the golden calf. It's, so it's it is just it. But but you and know we what? Are that it's people. us. We, we, are, we that are that people. people. <laughs> God wants the rose. I'm sorry. Anyway, we're <laughs> Jesus wants the rose. That's a great video. Don't you uh, search that video? Anyway, the poor man may have gone off. You know what? We're just going to stop right now. <laughs> then there's the other. And never mind. So do not be ignorant of history. Um, I, I did a very quick, very cursory search um, of the word "remember" throughout the scripture, and it 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 is ref- it is referenced at least 227 times. Um, that's not to mention all the times that God actually recounts the story of what He's done well, without using the word "remember." Um, and so we we should be we we are a people that have a written history. We are a people that study a book that God has written down um, through divine intervention, and we must know where we have come um, and understand that and have a great appreciation of that, so that we know then how to live. Boy, boy, do we! <laughs> so don't be ignorant of history. Never forget. <laughs> Don't. You handled that toss really well. I, Thanks, just, I just, just, just want to say that. Thanks. I felt like it was an abrupt <laughs> toss. So I was like, oh gosh, hot potato, hot potato. Ah. But you do so well with this. So it's fine. <laughs> the next thing, uh, one of my one of my favorite ideas uh, in the scripture is the men of Issachar uh, that come to join David uh, as David is established as king in First Chronicles twelve thirty two. Specifically, you have all these different men and warriors and and subsets of specialists coming to David uh, to be on his side 
uh, as he established is established in the throne uh, of Israel. And it's going through like, oh, these guys, like, they're super big and strong. And these guys can throw spears like 20 miles. And these guys, and then it gets to the, the men of Issachar. And it says that the men of Issachar were men who understood the times. Mm. And so what I want us to make sure we know is that we, as, that, that we have to be men that look back at history, right? And then we evaluate our place in it, in this current moment. And we look to, the, to how the future is shaping, how it's bending to turn out so that we can respond here and now biblically and as strong biblically as we can. That's how we become men of Issachar today. It's men who can see what has happened, can look at what is happening, and can, can, through the grace of God, apply God's truth to what they see coming down the line. Should we not cease the sinful ways and the sinful things we're doing? And, and what we can see coming down if we should but turn. We have to be able to look forward and say, look, this is what's coming. We need to stop this. Because that's where this ends up. Yeah. And and that's what being a good man of Issachar is all about. Yeah. So the verse itself, and there, there's two components of this. Two? Two. Um, so First Chronicles 12.32 says, from, from the men of Issachar who understood the times. So there, there's the first part. We must understand the times. And two, knew what Israel should do. Hey, ben. So they understood what was going on. But they also had an action plan as to how to head. And, and that captures this point. You know, a man of Issachar looks back at history, evaluates our place in it, and looks how and looks as to how the future is shaping to turn out so that we can then respond in the here and now as biblically as we can. There's the understanding and then there's the knowing what to do. I mean, we've all been in places where we, we, we see something happening and we just wish we knew what to do. Um, I find myself in that situation quite often because I'm terribly indecisive. <clears throat> but, but uh, he's paralyzed with the fears. Paralyzed. <laughs> <laughs> I just don't like being wrong. It, it's it's all rooted in pride. And it's it really really is. But well, it's very simple. All you have to do is be like me, where you just think you're never wrong. <laughs> <laughs> Problem solved. <laughs> Man, ain't that the truth? Oh no. Um. <laughs> anyway, we'll move. We'll move on from that point. Um, three, uh, a, a very, just a very practical, uh, I don't really think I need to, you know, twist your arm about this. Um, but uh, number three, Christian response to the Cuban crisis is that we are to pray for those who are hurting, pray for those who are hurting. And we need to be both aware and vocal about causes of liberty around the world. Um, our, ne- our ears need to prick up when we hear of these types of, um, uh, these types of protests, these types of riots. And then we need to find out why. Why are they rioting? Not all riots are created equal. So we, we need to figure out why. Why are the people in an uproar? What are they upset about? You know, is this something that they should be upset about? Or is this something where they are where they are rioting or revolting in evil? Um, you know. Well, you know, that's, they, it, they only overturned a cop car. It's just property. Yeah, well. It's n- not rioting. No. They are just. <laughs> no. Well, anyway. Anyway, the so people are protesting. Don't, they are they are protesting. <clears throat> and you know what? You know what's interesting? Yeah, no, One man's protest, another man's riot. Hey, what do you know? Oh boy, 
that's a t-shirt right there oh no anyway uh yeah so i don't think we don't think we got to twist your arm too too hard on that we need to pray for those who are hurting and be both aware and vocal about causes of liberty around the world absolutely why because god is is heavily invested freedom that is true is god's freedom yep uh episode not really sure but it's called no god no freedom um that's no god if no freedom. if your rights come from man then your rights can never be violated mm. man can simply dictate how your rights have changed yep. if your yep. rights come from god then man can violate rights willy-nilly but they're god-given right okay just pay attention yep. uh, and Chris, the christian response should should be should be for the freedom of people yeah I mean, we can we can go. What is it? Galatians five. Galatians five one on that. It is for freedom that Christ has set you free. Therefore, yeah. to, therefore, why do you put on again a yoke of slavery? <laughs> um, moving on, another thing. Um, so, looking at and, and this 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 point goes to the duplicitous nature of of different cultural narratives, right? So, Proverbs eighteen seventeen says this: the first to plead his case seems right until another comes and examines him. We need to question the popular narratives and seek out the other perspective, even if you feel that you might disagree with it. There's always two sides to a coin. So, for instance, I mean, this is just, I mean, this is very, very clear in the Cuba discussion itself. But referencing another article I saw today, it was, uh, you know, something about like Texas lawmakers, um, you know, remove great civil rights heroes from their public school curriculum or something like that. And I'm like, huh, that's, that's weird. Why did they do that? That sounds like a weird thing to do. Why did they do that? Um, well, all they did was kicked the can as to what was mandated to be taught in curriculum down to the local school districts. Oh, so it's almost like they're giving more people more freedom. Well, that doesn't sound like a bad thing. Oh, it it's not unless you ask the people they interviewed in the article you know what might be a bad thing though following facebook for news because <laughs> that's, that's where that i got that <laughs> that's for sure but i was thinking maybe hopping on a plane and drive flying from texas to uh washington dc and then nancy pelosi infecting COVID. a bunch of people with COVID and flying back is it wrong that i'm almost not upset that nancy pelosi might get COVID? no you should not wish COVID know, upon nancy look at her Listen, she everybody. is literally a dinosaur she, we should not no no uh, we do not. We we would hope health for her. You guys know that. My goodness. You guys. But know what that. is hilarious is they're all hanging out, throwing a kegger on a private <laughs> he private took a plane, picture. Why like did a he bunch do that? of morons. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. <laughs> I apologize, everyone, but it's hilarious. Well, I mean, I guess it's a beautiful thing they don't value their political office enough to try to get reelected. <laughs> <laughs> oh no. Um, anyway, but right. yeah, so, so question, uh, to, yes, just to, just yes. to bring that back just to, to the, yes, circle back, please <laughs> to, to question the popular narratives and seek out other perspectives, because oftentimes what I'm seeing, at least, at least currently is the loudest perspective is often the most duplicitous. And we, we have to, we have to love truth enough not to take something at face value. And it is literally the long telegram, right? It is literally, we're not looking to reason through this. We're going to be the most loudest, aggressive, the most Mm -hmm. violent. We're going to push our ideas and you're not going to be able to resist them because we are louder and stronger. And we are the, we are going to use whatever bullying we can. We're going to force it down your throat. Yeah. A lot of times the flasher, the headline, you know, the more spin has been put. Yes, it is called the clickbait. Hmm. 
All right, moving on. The next point, uh, we need to care. This is this is great because we do. We need to care about the issues of communism, Marxism, critical theory, and all its sub- sub- subsidiaries. That's just a tough word to say. I like that word, subsidiaries. <laughs> yes, it's great. But we we must we we must. You have to know. You have to understand. You have to know what Marxism is, right? I mean, you can you can literally just look at the juxtaposition of the lives of two men that that lived. Uh, in England at the same time, right? You could you could juxtapose uh, Spurgeon and Marx himself, contemporaries um, in the same place, and we actually uh, who who wrote the, who wrote a really good article about that? Um, My gosh, I can't remember his name. Taunton, uh, Larry, Larry Taunton. Larry, yes, yeah. very nice, very nice. Um, Great uh, article. We will link that lines. in the show notes. Oh, oh, I will. I will repeat the, the prophetic truth that Jesse has said. He will link that article in the show notes. I'm doing it right um, now. But that, that helps you. We need to learn uh, about, about Marxism. We should learn about communism. What are these things? What makes sense about them? But I'm not going to learn about them so that I can, just, I can just file these things into economic theory. But how does the Bible apply to them? And, and are they able to fit into the construct of the biblical worldview? If you don't know them, how could you know that, right? If you don't know where critical theory comes from, as it flows from Marxism, right, through Antonio Gramsci, if you don't know that, you can't build on the the truth that is present in the word that would be against false ideologies. So we need to care about these issues because these issues affect people. I mean, just ask anybody that, you know, lived under Mao if uh, it's important that you should probably know you know how communist Marxism can affect people because well, they're, they're dead. All dead, yeah. You can't. So actually you ask should, them. you know, yeah. And can I state this even stronger? <clears throat> Please do, or perhaps in an even stronger way. Is it going to be the tone or the words you use? Um, I don't know. I, f- I feel pretty chill. I don't feel like I'm upset. So it's be the words. It, okay. it might be the words. All right. So th- this point is that we need to care about issues of communism, Marxism, and critical theory, along with all of its subsidiaries, critical race theory, critical gay theory, insert whatever adjective, intersectional adjective you'd like in between the word critical and theory, all of its subsidiaries. We must care for these. And can I just say something? Can we, can, no, can, can we have the, can we, if there are any soft Christians listening to our podcast, can you stop Please, please stop chiding people who are talking about communism, Marxism, and critical theory and critiquing it with the word of God and t- critiquing it harshly, because you're not helping at all. And and that it, it, it's a terrible thing to make someone who's actually critiquing the enemy, the enemy. Like, that that's not helpful at all. It's literally stabbing, stabbing yourself in the back. So please, can you e- e- just please either remain silent or edu- or even better, educate yourself, because these godless ideologies, and I say godless because these Marx was a, a satanist, Fatic atheist, yes, and and boy did he like that first rebellious man, that first rebellious being Satan. Boy did he like him, worked him into his plays and his poetry. Disgusting. So can can you please not try to to show kindness here? We must repudiate evil where we see it. We we have to. We cannot cozy up to godless ideologies. These are not helpful tools. They are godless ideologies. You know what's a helpful tool? Reading your Bible, going to church, communing with the saints, submitting yourself under eldership, having people hold you accountable for when you think that godless ideologies are a good, helpful tool. 
that's what we shouldn't focus on. We shouldn't focus on, you know, speaking out against Marxism or critical theory. We just need to love them and love the people, you know, man. Oh my gosh. We have a, we have a podcast about that too. (laughs) Boy, do we. Oh my God. Several actually could fit yeah. in there. Anyway. I, I just wanted to say that because, because, you know, and I'm sorry, I'm going to keep going off on this because there are so many people who are actually persecuted and actually fighting and actually holding high the word of God. And I just see other Christians critiquing these people. I'm like, I'm sorry. You've got lots of opinions, but not a lot of proof texts or, or, or scriptures to actually inform you as to whether or not what you're saying or critiquing is actually helpful. Crack a Bible, go to church, focus on more important things. You know, anyway, I'm going to try to be done on that. Well, we'll see. All right. You, 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 you hop us on over to, to point number six. And then we'll really wanted up. to draw us into this last one just to kind of culminate it all. Truth and lies are like water and oil. They don't mix. So here's the thing. This is as practical as it can be. If you're not in the word and you don't know your history, then here's what you do. Get in the word and learn the history. That's what you do. It, it's it's as simple as that. We're we're not. This is not nothing about. And this is what so. This is what I think befuddles so many people that want Christianity to be more complex than it is. It is simple faith. It is simple. Now it's it, on the near side of simple faith. It looks simple, but when you actually walk into that simple faith, you realize how complex it is to live out your faith with your brother and sisters in Christ. And with the world that needs to hear the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ, you realize that the complexity is on that side. But the co- the concepts are so simple. So here it is. Open your Bible. Learn the word. Right? And, and if you don't understand, if you're like, Cuba, what is Cuba? They make cigars in there. Well, now most now really good cigars can come from other places like Nicaragua has really good cigars. That's because Cuba it's a you know, communism state 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 took over the production of everything. Guess what happens when the state gets involved? Your quality goes down. down. Anyway, neither here nor there. But if you don't know about if you thought Cuba was just like uh, well it was a temporary you know destination for vacations under Obama, but you. Know, if that's what you thought of it, it's all you know about Cuba. <laughs> the irony is right. It's so, so it is terrible. it is, but it's it's there. I mean, we watched it happen, and we're like, why is this happening? <laughs> why <laughs> why now? You be freeing these people? Why now? <laughs> I mean, literally, the the people in Cuba are like, hey, could you send us some militant dissidents now? We're ready now. Right, yeah. We'd like to help them now, <laughs> as they're being black bag. You know what? Uh, I'm going to let it go. Uh, if you don't know what's going on, if you if you didn't know where Cuba was on a map, if you don't if you don't know what century we're living in, if you don't know <laughs> if you don't know why we had a trade embargo with Cuba for uh, I don't know nigh on fifty sixty years, then it, it's your responsibility to to learn these things, right? I guarantee you, there's people that you know that would know these things. In fact, if you know somebody that's maybe like I don't know seventy. 80. They probably know a whole lot. You should go talk to them. Gee whiz. As long as you're properly masked and vaccinated, of course. <sighs> Next time on the Carpe Fide podcast. <laughs> I'm going to get a big hand, like a, a, like, a, like a doctor's medical, like a latex glove, blown up 
filled with sand. I'm going to shove it on the end of a broom handle. When you say stupid stuff like that, I'm going to smack you in the face. (laughs) And and you know what? It would honestly just all be for my own personal edification. edification. (laughs) And my enjoyment. Your edification and my enjoyment. A great help to me. My wife wife tries to give me these hints and stuff like that. And I'm like, what are you saying? I cannot read lips or minds. Like, what just tell me? Well, look. Uh, or smack me on the head with a sand-filled <laughs> medical glove. I what said, you? yes. That's what I said. Uh-huh. Yep. <laughs> I think this... We've And now we're about to cross a line. We've and once we cross our line, we can't come back from it. <laughs> we've exhausted all uh, points in our outline. We really hope um, mm-hmm. that we've we've driven home such something... It, we wanted this to be interesting, and we wanted to connect it to something that's contemporary. History is important. History is... Uh, pointing us, it, it points us in, in many ways forward because it's the things that have happened. It, there's things that have happened that we should not repeat. There's things that have happened that were were good, right? It, history didn't start five minutes ago. It's it's happened throughout time and memoriam. We need to we need to learn it and engage with it. And biblically, here's here's the key, everybody. This is key. I'm going to say this much worse than Rush Dooney said it himself. History is God's. God is the sovereign. There's no reason a Christian should not be ardently studying history because it is the story of how God has progressed through time, Mm. right? Nothing has been a surprise to God. The advent of atheism was not a surprise to him. Right, the, the rebellion of Satan and Adam; these were not surprises to him. Sin was not a surprise to him. The various empires rising up: the Greek and the Roman, the 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 Mede, the Persian. These 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 things, the Babylonian. These were not surprises to God. The, the cell phone is not a surprise to God. Our ability to store voluminous amounts of information on a little teeny tiny like chewing gum size stick that was not surprise to him right blockchain is not confusing to god none of these things randomly crept up and all of history is his christian we should know it because he is the sovereign over it and so hopefully this is just an interesting way to make you to, to like wake you up and say hey look there's really interesting things that have happened and you can see the sovereign hand of god even in them as they happened and they lead us directly to where we are now so let's grab a hold of that. Let's enjoy that. And let's let's worship the God through it as we are able to better inform ourselves and speak more clearly his biblical truth into the truth of the culture that we live in. How's that sound, everybody? Sound good? That sounds good to me. Well, in order to do that, we know that what you should do is seize the faith. faith.